You're listening to the Eastside Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This sermon was recently preached at our church. We want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com. Now, enjoy today's sermon. Well, and good morning to you. And uh, thank you, Brother Jet and Eastside Baptist Church, for the privilege that's mine once more. This is not the first time I've gotten to preach here, and uh, I trust maybe it won't be the last, (laughs) but uh, I have always enjoyed being here. I thank God for this church. As was already mentioned, my daughter and grandchildren are here, and and my (laughs) son-in-law, but uh, I certainly appreciate the investment this church makes in my family in that way. My grandson's being saved here, and I thank God for that. And uh, so anyway, it's a joy to be with you. And I know the circumstances are certainly not necessarily to our liking, but uh, God does all things well. And I believe uh, Satan may have intended it for evil, but God can and will use it for good. In fact, I've said, I'm kind of looking forward to the next three, four, or five months just to see what all God does with this. Because I, I know that the Word of God is going into areas that Maybe it wouldn't have gone to otherwise. I've heard testimony of families where they have lost member, family members who have sat and listened to preaching who had never gone to church before. So I know God can and will use it for good. And so in that sense, I praise the Lord for that uh, potential and what I believe will be a reality. And then too, I think uh, maybe for those of us who take things for granted, I know God's going to use it uh, in that way. Uh, maybe get a better appreciation for what we've understood for mission, uh, mission fields and some folks that are under uh, maybe oppressive conditions where they can't meet, and when they do meet, they meet in fear. And uh, so maybe we've got a little taste of something that they've gone through, but at the same time, you've heard the little adage, you know, you don't know what you've got till it's gone, and maybe in that sense, so when we are able to meet again, freely and without any hesitation, uh, I trust that the place will be full. (laughs) And folks that maybe take for granted the opportunity to meet will not any longer take it for granted, but will seize every opportunity to be together with God's people around God's word in God's house. So again, I'm thankful for the privilege to be here today, and uh, I trust God will use it in my heart as I trust he'll use it in yours as well. So With that being said, if you'll take your Bibles, and even there in your home, uh, I think in honor of God's Word, if you could stand, please, if you're able to, turn to the Gospel of Mark, Gospel of Mark, and I was thinking, as you'll notice here as we read the text, as the ladies were singing, I thought, well, I think the Lord put this together, uh, because the song, special music, really uh, lends well to the message here this morning. Mark chapter 4. And a pretty well-known passage, but I trust it would be a a great blessing to you here today. And certainly in the context of things that we're facing uh, in these days. Look at verse number 35. Mark chapter 4, begin at verse number 35. And the same day when the even was come, he, Jesus, saith unto them, his disciples, Let us pass over unto the other side. And when they had sent, and when they had sent away the multitude, they took him even as he was in the ship, and there were also with him other little ships. And there rose a great storm of wind, 
and the waves beat into the ship so that it was now full. And he was in the hinder part of the ship, asleep on a pillow. And they awake him and say unto him, Master, carest thou not that we perish? And he arose and rebuked the wind and said unto the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. And he said unto them, Why are ye so fearful? How is it that ye have no faith? And they feared exceedingly and said one to another, What manner of man is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? Let's pause for a word of prayer and then we'll get into the message. Father, we do thank you for the occasion today. Again, as was mentioned, not the conditions as such that we would choose necessarily. We know that you're greater than the situation or the conditions. and We know that you can use it for good and have intent in that way, Lord. Uh, certainly, we pray it would be so today. No matter where folks are as they gather around uh, the TV or the computer or the phone or however they're using the, the technology to, to tune into the service. Again, a handful here today. I pray, Lord, that Certainly, wherever we are, we're thankful for the omnipresence of God, that you'll meet together with us where we are. You'll speak to us as we are. And so, Father, I pray that would certainly be so today, and we'd realize it, Lord, it would be very real to us as we meet together with you now. And I pray, as the pastor said a moment ago, we'd be able to blot out the things about us, the conditions in which we find ourselves, and, Lord, be able to give our full attention to what you have for us from your word. We're a needy people. Oh, God, how we need to hear from you today. So I pray that you use the message in that way to speak to hearts. And perchance, Lord, I I think a a very great chance that there may be someone tuning in today who they may know about you, but they don't have a personal relationship with you. They don't have the confidence and the assurance of a home in heaven because there's never been a born again experience in their life. And I pray, Lord, that maybe as never before, you would give them an understanding, a recognition of their condition, and then your will in the matter. You're not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. So I pray that today you'd use the message as only you know best how to do, to speak to the condition of each and every heart. But certainly, Lord, I pray for anyone that's lost, that you might so convince and convict them today, that today would be the day of salvation. Lord, we rejoice as they would then give a report, I trust, and contact the church and let let Brother Jet and the folks here know that they made a decision on an eternal one. And so again, whatever you desire to do is what we want to have done. So we commit the service to you now, looking to you, trusting you, Lord, to bring honor and glory to yourself and conviction to the hearts of those tuned in today. And I'll praise you and thank you for it as you help me now to preach. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Well, again, uh, not at all a strange or unknown passage of Scripture, a well-known account. Songs have been written about it. I'll even quote from a couple of here here in just a moment. But uh, one of the great, I say a great instance in the Word of God where the Lord Jesus gives a manifestation or a proof, if you will, again, of his person. I like what the disciples say, what manner of man is this? I'll come back to that in a moment, but he's not a man. Uh, <laughs> and the demonstration, the manifestation of God, and that's who he is. Uh, someone has said, well, he's 
in the condition of mankind. Absolutely, he's 100% man in that regard, but at the same time, he's 100% God. And so again, a testimony to his person, which is a part of the three and a half year ministry that God gave to him. It was a proving time, a, a demonstration time, a, a manifestation time that he would show before the world who he was, that he was fulfillment of all the prophecies of old, that the Messiah would come, the promised seed of Abraham, the one that would be uh, the Lamb of God that would take away the sin of the world. And so, uh, again, this is just one of many occasions in which he proves or demonstrates, again, uh, his person. And, I, and I'm a kind of a guy that I like to imagine. I like to let my imagination go. And uh, <clears throat> you take a Bible event, and, man, there's some great accounts in the Word of God that you can, you can well imagine some things. I've had the privilege, thank God, to have visited the Holy Land and, and get a little better feel in a sense for some instances and experiences or events that are recorded in God's Word. I remember going to the Valley of Elah and seeing where David fought Goliath and get, get a real feel for, for the, uh, the conditions that were there. But there are some things, again, uh, such as this. I've been on the Sea of Galilee. But again, to kind of imagine what the circumstance was like, can, can we even imagine? I don't know. Uh, I know we're told that across the hills there on the Jordan side uh, of the Jordan River, uh, storms can kind of come up out of nowhere and you can't really be prepared for them. They come sweeping down on, onto the Sea of Galilee like they often would do uh, there on the, on the Mediterranean Sea as well and kind of catch people uh, unprepared. And, and so I kind of imagine it was something like this. But they say that a storm like that would come and it would be a very tempestuous storm or a very violent storm just instantly. And again, kind of catch people off guard. The Sea of Galilee isn't all that big. If you could see something coming on, you'd make your way to the shore a little earlier. But here they're caught out in the midst of the sea. And so I kind of picture this just great storm coming up. I mean, the white caps, you know, and the wind blowing. And, and of course, the account gives us here that the, the ship, the, the boat was taking on water to the point that now they, they feared for their very lives. <clears throat> and so they, they make that statement, Lord, carest thou not that we perish? And they, they awakened him. And I find it interesting, too. He, he's sound asleep. Uh, the Prince of Peace has great peace in the midst of a storm, you know. And he's sound asleep. And so they awaken him. And and really alarm him with, I think, uh, their, their, plead, their, their plea there and their cry for help. And so he stands. Now, again, get the picture, if you will. I think it's, <laughs> I'm not going to give the sound and all, but the wind's howling and the waves are blowing and the water's coming into the ship. And these guys are yelling and screaming. And everybody's afraid. And Jesus just stands up and says, peace, be still. And my imagination draws a picture like this. From this horrendous, ter terrible storm, uh, all this rage going on, all of a sudden, a sea of glass. I mean, going from tempestuous sea to a sea of glass. And I mean, perfect peace. <laughs> and it says the disciples were exceedingly fearful. What manner of man is this? And, and I just picture, and again, it says there in verse what is it, verse number 36, there were also with him little ships. It wasn't just this ship. <laughs> and I just kind of picture across, across the water comes this shout, what was that, you know, from, from another one of the ships. And I would like to think one of the disciples said, no, it's who was that? <laughs> who was that? 
the Lord himself that spoke into existence perfect peace. And <clears throat> again, I think if I can kind of make some applications, certainly with things we're going through now, certainly not as tempestuous or as fearful maybe. Um, but I've said, you know, when, when I, I've, had, I've been on a preaching uh, trip here for the last several weeks and I've had the privilege, and I'll call it that privilege, to speak to several churches in this kind of a forum. And I said, I don't know quite uh, what to speak to, you know. Uh, do people want to hear anything more about all this? <laughs> or are they up to here with it? I want to hear something else, you know. Well, again, I think it, it is that which causes some difficulty, some angst. And I think the greatest angst is, for me anyway, what's next, <laughs> you know. Uh, are we going to be going through this every year now or, you know, I'll let that rabbit go, but there's some things I could get off on about all that's involved with this thing, you know. But thank God for the Prince of Peace who can, in the midst of a storm, impart a peace that is amazing. <laughs> I think most of us have had experiences where we've had a family member or a friend go through some tragedy and some real... A heart-wrenching circumstance, a death in the family or a tragic accident or something. And, and for a believer, you see them and you, you say, how are you doing? You know, and, and they say, you know, God's grace is sufficient. Have you experienced that? Have you talked to someone that says, you know, God's really good in the midst of all this. I, I can say I've really witnessed God's helping hand and the peace that he gives and for those who aren't going through it, you know, you say, wow, <laughs> I can't imagine. You know, well, you can't imagine altogether because you're not there. But for people that are there, when God meets the need and supplies the sufficient grace, they do experience it and they do say, you know, God, God is good. Uh, someone said, God is good all the time, and he is. Okay. So again, <clears throat> uh, I trust that this, this passage here would be timely and in that, say, in, in that way would would be a help in some of the things that I know we're facing. Now, I would say here, <clears throat> uh, though this is what we would say is one of the well-known passages or well-known miracles that the Lord performed during his earthly ministry, I would suggest that this wasn't a planned miracle. <laughs> I'll say that again. I don't think this miracle on the Sea of Galilee was a planned miracle. Now, there are several examples in the Word of God where Jesus did plan for a miracle to take place. Let me just throw a couple of them at you. At the feeding of the 5,000, it says in John chapter 6, when Jesus then lifted up his eyes and saw a great company come unto him, he saith unto Philip, Whence shall we buy bread that these may eat? And this he said, listen now, and this he said to prove him, for he himself knew what he would do. <laughs> So this was a planned instance in which he was going to demonstrate, again, his power and his capability to meet a very special need, a, a perform a miracle as he made the loaves and fishes sufficient to feed the 5,000. Another would be, of course, one of the greatest miracles, I think one of the final capstone miracles of his ministry, of his earthly ministry, was when he planned to raise Lazarus from the dead. And he planned to do that. It says in John chapter 11, When he had heard therefore that he, Lazarus, was sick, he abode two days still in the same place where he was. And he goes on to say, And I am glad for your sakes that I was not there, he said. Why? 
to the intent that you may believe. In other words, Jesus is going to take this circumstance or this condition, which was anything but pleasant, as we're going to see here in a moment, Mary and Martha, very distressed about it, obviously, because they'd called for the Lord to come, and he didn't come. But Jesus planned not to come until Lazarus was already dead, and then performed that great miracle when he said, Lazarus, come forth. And uh, boy, what a miracle that was. As I say, one of the capstone miracles of his ministry. But it seems, in fact, here on this instance, and this this occasion, uh, certainly as we see, he was really intent on sleeping. If you look there at verse number 38, he was in the hinder part of the ship asleep on a pillow. That's what he was planning to do, (laughs) to get some sleep while they're on their way across the Sea of Galilee. Now, not to say that he didn't know the storm was coming up, okay? But I think, again, this miracle that he's about to perform wasn't something that he would have planned necessarily, okay? When he woke up, in fact, verse 40 would kind of indicate he was somewhat displeased with his disciples. (laughs) He would have expected them, maybe, from what he says, to have demonstrated or manifested in their own right a little greater faith and who they're with, <laughs> not to mention where they were going. I'll come to some of that here in just a second. Okay. I would go so far as to say this, that this record or this incident was not so much to show who Jesus was, though it certainly does that in a great and powerful way. I think it was also to show what his disciples were not. <laughs> what his disciples were not. It's recorded in three of the four Gospels, so it is an important instance <laughs> In which, again, I think it shows something that maybe would stand as a challenge or I trust as a message to us in our place, no matter what we're going through. Again, if we're comparing, you know, well, the Bible says not good when we compare ourselves among ourselves. But you are comparing different kinds of uh, adversity or difficulty. Uh, we Americans probably aren't handling this little test as well as as others, because this is new to us. We're pretty spoiled. Come on. Hello. <laughs> I know TV. I can't hear you say amen. Ye- yell a little louder, but I'm, I mean, that's the truth. Okay. Uh, we're pretty spoiled. Okay. <clears throat> but it does speak to us. And I trust will in that regard about what I think I'll just call this a dissertation on all that can be wrong with man's relationship with God. All that can be wrong with man's relationship with God. I've entitled the message, Being All Wrong. <laughs> because again, I think it evidences in these disciples some conditions, obviously, that were wrong. <laughs> and the Lord Jesus calls attention to it. Okay. The first one is what I call wrong thinking. Wrong thinking. Look again at verse number 38. <clears throat> uh, verse number 38, the last part the disciples awaken him and say unto him, Master, carest thou not that we perish? <laughs> I think Jesus should have said right then, think again, right? They think that the Lord doesn't care. Come on. <laughs> no one ever cared for me like Jesus. Okay? <clears throat> Does Jesus care? Absolutely. Listen, listen to this songwriter. <clears throat> he wrote it this way. Does Jesus care when my heart is pained? Too deeply for mirth or song? As the burdens press and the cares distress and the way grows weary and long? Does Jesus care when my way is dark with a nameless dread and fear? 
as the daylight fades into deep night shades, does he care enough to be near? Does Jesus care when I've tried and failed to resist some temptation strong, when for my deep grief there is no relief, though my tears flow all the night long? Does Jesus care when I've said goodbye to the dearest on earth to me? And my sad heart aches till it nearly breaks. Is it aught to him? Does he see? The chorus. Listen to the chorus. Oh, yes, he cares. <laughs> I know he cares. His heart is touched with my grief. When the days are weary, the long nights dreary, I know my Savior cares. <laughs> oh, yes, he cares. Oh, yes, he cares. Don't you think for a moment, no matter what you're going through. Again, this coronavirus thing is a piece of cake. But I'm talking about we may go through times of real trial, but I'm telling you in the midst of it, God cares. And you can depend upon. Think again if you think he doesn't care because he cares more than you know. In fact, I always say that he cares more for us than we even care for ourselves. Certainly cared enough to die in our place. Does Jesus care? Does Jesus know? Sometimes we think, does he, does he really know what I'm facing? <laughs> does he know what I'm going through? He may care, but does he know my, my perspective? Does he know where I'm at? <laughs> Some great promises in the word of God. Are not two sparrows sold for a farthing, and one of them shall not fall on the ground without your father? The very hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear ye not, therefore, ye are more value than many sparrows. Not only does God care, he knows everything about you. He knows everything about you because he cares. <laughs> in the 18th century, there was a rise in a, a damnable heresy, a false doctrine called deism. And <clears throat> let me just throw in for free, some of our founders got, a, got some bad press because they were said to be and even are claimed yet today to be, have been deists. Well, I'm not saying maybe some of them didn't toy with it, but they discarded it pretty quick because they were people that, I'm talking about our founders of our country, they were men who had a heart for God and they searched the scriptures. In fact, when they were founding this country, they searched the scriptures on how to establish a country that God could bless. Well, you won't search the scriptures very long before you realize that deism's a lie. Deism says that God spun everything into existence and then he went on a hike and he couldn't care less how it played out. <laughs> That's not at all the case. Certainly, again, by that very passage that I read. But there's other instances in the Word of God where, again, people might have thought, does Jesus, you know, does he understand where I'm at? Does he, does he have an interest in my, my care and the things that I'm going through? He cares about everything you're going through. There's nothing you can name. God doesn't have an interest in, in your place, in your experience. Again, he knows, <laughs> I've heard all the jokes I know about the hair, counting the hairs, and you got to count and recount them every day. Hey, maybe he does recount every day, but he knows because he takes a personal interest in me. Amen. How do you like that? <laughs> I'm not so bad after all. Okay, anyway, all that to say, come on, God does care and has an interest in what we're facing, what we're experiencing. In fact, it could be assumed, if, if you read this passage here, it could be assumed that Jesus is somewhat offended by the question. Carest thou not that we perish? 
kind of like he was at Lazarus' funeral. I mentioned that, Lazarus' funeral. And Jesus shows up, both Mary and Martha, asking the same question. And they said, Lord, <laughs> made the statement really, Lord, if you'd been here, my brother had not died. <laughs> and you read the account there, the people are weeping, and Jesus is caught up with it too, and he, Jesus wept. But I think he wasn't just weeping for the occasion so much because he knew what the occasion was going to give birth to. But I think he was weeping at the fact of little faith in him. Questioning again, did he care? You know? In fact, some of the other people there said, could not this man who, who made the blind to see, could he not also have, have ministered to, I remember how it's worded there, had a concern for he that has died? Does he care? Yes, he cares. Does he know? Yes, he knows. In fact, Philip made a statement one time. It's kind of a similar accusation. He said, Lord, show us the Father. And Jesus was offended by that. He said, have I been so long with you, and yet hast thou not known me, Philip? He that seeth me hath seen the Father. And how sayest thou then, show us the Father? Come on. Wrong thinking. God knows all about us. God cares all about us, and we can depend upon his care, his watch care as well as his interest in our lives. So, again, wrong, man's wrong relationships that man have with God. Wrong thinking. Number two, wrong focus. Wrong focus. Look again at verse number 37. There arose a great storm of wind, and the waves beat into the ship so that it was now full. Boy, physical conditions, come on, do get our attention, do they not? Here we are. <laughs> We're dealing with it, yeah. Physical conditions. But again, preacher out of my ministry, John Schoenbarger, he said this one time, I thought it was really good. He said, you ask some, some believer, how are you doing? And often they'll say, well, under the circumstances, and then they go on. He said, under the circumstances, what are you doing under there? You know, you're not supposed to be under the circumstances. We're supposed to be on top of the circumstances. Yeah. But we're focusing again on the circumstances instead of the one who rules over the circumstances. Come on, with all that's going on in the world, apart from the coronavirus, I've said if I didn't know God was on the throne, I'd be building me a compound up in Montana somewhere too. But God is on the throne. Hello. And he rules. He rules. He's over all. And no matter what the conditions are, God's in control. I've said with this coronavirus, he's not wringing his hands. What are we going to do now? Or chewing his nails. Oh, no. What? You know, God's very much in control. But too often we have our focus on the wrong thing. We need to focus upon him instead of the circumstances. It's an interesting passage here, by the way. It begins in verse 35 with that little phrase, and the same day. And the same day what? Well, you have to back up through chapter 4 here. And Jesus has been spending time teaching not only multitudes, but his disciples in particular. Look at verse number 33. It says, With many such parables spake he the word unto them, as they were able to hear it. But without a parable spake he not unto them. And when they were alone, he expounded all things to his disciples. All things. In other words, he's preparing them. He's instilling in them. Come on, a trust upon, in him. A, a, a determination to follow him, to, if you will, keep their eyes upon him. Come on. God help us to do the same. Because he knew very well they're going to face some things. They had little understanding 
really of all that was in store for them as a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ. <laughs> in fact, a lot of things the Lord taught, as was the case here, seemed to go in one ear and out the other side or over their head. I don't know. They weren't listening. It's interesting there, uh, as it says in verse number 33, they spake the word, he spake the word unto them as they were able to hear it. Maybe as they <laughs> were seemingly not paying attention. It's kind of the inference there. Wrong focus. Wrong focus. Interesting what he's been teaching them. Again, to trust him and to look to him and to follow him. Because it's interesting then. <laughs> and the same day. So right after he's taught this, when the even was come, he saith unto them, let us pass over unto the other side. But they're going to get their eyes upon the boat <laughs> and the condition of the sea and the storm. And they're going to struggle with what we all struggle with, our own human nature. Well, we do live in physical conditions. You know. Paul said, who shall deliver me from this body of death? You know, it's the physical condition that is the difficulty here. <clears throat> but God help us. And I think the, the, the message here is God help us to, again... Not be under the circumstances, but to live victoriously, to keep our focus of where it ought to be upon the Lord Jesus himself. Interesting, too, what he says there in verse number 35. He saith, and let us pass over unto the other side. What's he planning? What's he got intended here? They're going to cross the sea. They're going to get to the other side. In fact, look at... Uh, look at... Uh, Verse number one in chapter five says, and they came over <laughs> to the other side of the sea. Surprise, surprise, they made it. <laughs> no, God intended for them to make it. In fact, it's interesting, Luke in his, his account, he uses the word, and they arrived. <laughs> yeah, well, they arrived because why? Jesus said they were gonna arrive. We're gonna pass over to the other side. Come on, we need to get our nose back in God's word and understand no matter what's going on in the world, come on, we've read the last chapter, have we not? <laughs> we win. Uh, amen. We, are, we need to conduct our lives in such a fashion with a winning spirit because we're on the winning side. Focusing again, not so much on conditions because, hey, conditions are going to wax worse and worse. If you're looking for conditions for some sort of encouragement, I got some bad news for you. If it is the last days, which I'm convinced it is, then it's not going to get better. It's going to get worse. So if you're looking for circumstances to keep you encouraged and keep a smile on your face, you're going to have a tough time overcoming that. But if you keep your eyes upon your Savior, He will never disappoint you. He will again. He's the Prince of Peace. In the midst of a storm, He'll give peace that passes understanding. Praise His name. You know, let me just throw in for free. There's some encouraging words on the positive side. But there's some admonition on the negative side, too. I've, <clears throat> I've said to folks, you know, we need to look down the road on the positive side. Come on, I said a moment ago, we win, right? right. So we, ha we have the promises of the Word of God. And, and, and keep your focus upon the Lord. And He's eternal. And 
He's concerned for the future. A lot of things in our past we'd change if we could, but forget the past. Come on, as Paul said, and press toward the mark. So God wants us to look ahead. But you know, on the negative side, I think some folks also need to recognize, come on, there's some promises in the Word of God, or you might better say some warnings in the Word of God about the future as well. You sow the wind, hello, you're going to reap the whirlwind. You're going to reap what you sow. Uh, God help us to recognize we don't just live for today. Let's look down the road at the consequences of what we do. Hello? <laughs> so again, <clears throat> wrong focus. We need to keep our focus upon the Lord Jesus himself. Weeping may endure for the night, but joy comes in the morning. <laughs> we go through some times of trial, but come on. The Lord's on our side, or better yet, we're on his side. And uh, <clears throat> we have some promises again that we can... We can grab hold of and, and keep again a smile on our face and a spring in our step. But not so if we have the wrong focus. So wrong thinking, wrong focus, number three, wrong action. Wrong action, which is so often the case. We react physically. <laughs> we react to physical conditions in a physical way. <clears throat> I, we're not told some details here that I think were, are kind of self-evident. I think, if I know men at all, particularly these guys, many of them fishermen, they're not unfamiliar with being out there on the Sea of Galilee. They're not unfamiliar with storms coming up. So I'm thinking for some time, we're going to make it. You know, it's tough, but we're, we're going to make it. And they're taking confidence again in their physical capabilities or lack thereof. So again, wrong action. Because Jesus points it out. It's not the physical. His question isn't, hey, haven't you been lifting weights? <laughs> haven't, you, haven't you been reminded about storms come up on the sea? That's not the question that he asked. He said in the verse 40, he said unto them, why are you fearful? How is it that you have no faith? It's not why are you fearful because, come on, you're fishermen. No, you have no faith. God help us to recognize physical conditions are a call for spiritual dependence. Again, as the songwriter said, I need thee every hour. Come on, I don't care what you face. We're never alone. Talking about a child of God, we're never alone. <laughs> we need to depend upon the one who is the comforter, who's the one that will guide us into all truth. We need to have the faith and trust that, come on, go back to that thing. He cares. Yeah, he cares. He has an interest in where we are. Yeah, he, he wants us to focus upon him. All these things have to do with our faith. <laughs> For a believer, any action in relation to conditions that we face, any action that's physical is the wrong action. It's to start with first. Lord, what would thou have me to do? <laughs> it needs to start with, again, the, the, the recognition our dependence is upon him. And we need to look to him first. <laughs> Luke's account of this same, same event, he puts it this way where Jesus said, where is your faith? <laughs> That's maybe better said, isn't it? Where is your faith? In what is your faith? Come on, our faith need not be in ourselves. The Bible tells us that the flesh... <laughs> No flesh will glory in his presence, not by might, not by, but by my spirit. God says it's the spiritual ability that we have, not our own physical capability. So the wrong action. 
You know, Hebrews 11 speaks to it. Through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that the things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. But without faith, come on, it's impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. It's faith that pleases the Lord. It's faith that the Lord's looking for to be manifested and demonstrated in our lives. He looked for it here in the disciples and he was disappointed. <laughs> How is it that you have no faith? Starts, our whole relationship with God starts in that way, doesn't it? For by grace are you saved. How? Through faith. And what? That not of yourselves. Come on, the whole relationship begins with a recognition. We don't have the capability, whether it's trying to get to heaven or trying to accomplish anything heavenly. <laughs> I don't have the capability. It's all what God can and will do through me. <clears throat> One of my friends in the ministry, and I know for your pastor, Brother Kevin Folger, he and his sister, who his sister's in our church, she tells, she uses it all the time, their dad was known for saying, he would say this, well, let's pray and hope we luck out. <laughs> let's pray and hope we luck out. <laughs> you know, sadly, we, we say that was, you know, real funny. But sadly, that's kind of how we operate sometimes. <laughs> and it's not nothing new when Peter was in prison. You know, the church was praying for Peter. You remember the story. God delivered him. He's knocking on the door. <laughs> Nah, it's not Peter, you know. Yeah, what kind of faith is that? Where is your faith? Well, again, our faith too often is misplaced because it's placed in ourselves. So, wrong thinking, wrong focus, wrong action, which leads to a wrong understanding. Again, in verse number 41, where they, after they hear the Lord Jesus speak things into perfect peace, they say, what manner of man is this? Wrong understanding, he's not a man. <laughs> Whom do men say that I am? Well, Peter said it well back then, didn't he? Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Well, Jesus is not just a man. There's wrong, completely wrong understanding that is so prevalent today. Many, many different isms believe that Jesus was a prophet. Well, he was a prophet. He was the prophet of fulfilled prophecy. But he's more than just a prophet. He's the capital P prophet. He's God in the flesh. And he's the only God. Beside him there is none else. Peter said it well, neither is there salvation in any other. For there's none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must. Come on, not could be or should be. No, whereby we must be saved. He alone, he alone is God. He alone is the Savior. He alone is the deliverer. He alone is the provider and the enabler. Come on, he is everything. He is all in all. And our understanding needs to be of him for who he is. Not just what he is, but who he is. <clears throat> I like when Doubting Thomas was confronted with the resurrected Christ. I'll not believe it till I put my hands in the wounds in his hand and in his side. Jesus said, I can handle that. <laughs> and you know the story when Thomas saw the Lord Jesus himself. Jesus said, put, put forth your hands. <laughs> Be not faithless, but believing. 
Thomas fell on his face, and what a statement. I mean, what a theological, powerful statement when he said, my Lord and my God. You got it right, Thomas. He is that and more, but he is first and foremost God. Man's relationship with God. Well, it better be scriptural. We have all kinds of admonitions calling us to account in that regard. But so often, our relationship (laughs) is wrong because we have wrong thinking, wrong focus, wrong action, wrong understanding. Another songwriter, Joel Hemphill, I love this song. And he takes this passage to make the, the right understanding and he puts it to song. He says, my boat of life travels on a troubled sea whenever there's a wind in my sail. But I have a friend who watches over me when the breeze turns into a gale. Sometimes I soar like an eagle through the skies. Above the peaks, my soul can be found. But an unexpected storm may drive me from the heights. It brings me low but it never brings me down. Here's the chorus. I know the master of the wind. I know the maker of the rain. He can calm a storm and make the sun shine again. I know the master of the wind. Do you know him? I started the message today in a prayer when I said, it's very common again in in our land, in the nation called the United States of America, that we know about him. This is a Christian nation. You can almost hear the gospel by accident in our country. And there's a lot of people that know about him. It's a whole different relationship to know him. I could say, for example, I know President Trump. I'll say for the record, I like President Trump. I thank God for President Trump. But I don't know him personally. He wouldn't see me on the street and say, hey, Brother Dave, good to see you. Because I don't know him personally. I know about him. I know who he is. A lot of people have the same kind of relationship with the Lord Jesus. They certainly know who he is. Maybe you've heard the little little idiom or the little statement that says you can miss heaven by 18 inches. (laughs) You can have it all up here. You know everything about him. But you don't have a personal relationship, a heart relationship with him. But I'm telling you on the authority of this book, you can have, and you can have it today. <laughs> we talked about wrong relationships here, but I'm telling you on the authority of God's word, you can have the right relationship. You can have the Bible relationship, which is the only relationship that is the relationship. Do you know him? <laughs> In Matthew, um, drawing a blank on the passage, Matthew chapter 7. I think it's 22 to 24. Jesus said this. He said, one day, and he's talking about the judgment day, many will stand before me and say, Lord, we did many wonderful works in your name. And here's what he said I'm going to say to them. Depart from me, ye workers of iniquity. I never knew you. Come on, it comes down to a personal relationship by way of a heart relationship of knowing the Lord Jesus. And the way you know him is by way of the Bible program and plan. You confess you're a sinner. I'll tell you what, if you've got any common sense or understanding at all, we all know by our nature 
we do wrong. You don't have to teach children young how to lie. They do it naturally because it's our nature. We are sinners by nature. But we need to confess it before the Lord and say, Lord, I recognize and understand and I admit to the fact that I am a sinner. And because I'm a sinner, I'm under a penalty called death, eternal death. And that's what the Bible says. The wages of sin is death. So, Lord, I recognize that I'm on my way to hell. The Bible says I'm condemned already. And I confess that. I admit that. But, Lord, you said you don't want me to go to hell. And that's why you stepped in and interceded and you died in my place. Said you purchased for me a gift that you're offering to me called the gift of eternal life. Lord, I don't want to go to hell. And you don't want me to go to hell. And Lord, I believe you're the Savior. You're the only way. You are the way. You said it yourself. And so, Lord, I'm trusting you as my personal Savior. I'm doing what the Bible says. I'm confessing that you're my Savior and that I'm a sinner. And I need you. And without you, I have no hope. But I'm asking you to be my Savior. And I want to know you personally. I tell you, one of the great promises in the Word of God says, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. I don't care where you are. You could be tuned in today. You could be in your car. You could, you know, you can do many things with your phone. You could be watching this. You probably ought to be driving. But if you're watching, no matter where you are, come on, Jesus will meet you where you are. And he'll save you where you are if you'll call upon him. And so the invitation is that way. And then for believers, come on. Had a whole boat full of believers here (laughs) who, again, their relationship with the Lord was not what the Lord wanted it to be. Where is your faith? Come on, we're not only saved by faith, we walk by faith. God help us to walk by faith so that we can please the Lord. When we face a challenging circumstance, he won't be disappointed as he was in his own disciples there, but rather be like the Roman centurion he found met on the road that time who said Lord you don't have to come to my house you just speak the word and my servant will be healed and Jesus was the Bible says he was marveled at him and said well I never found such great faith no not in Israel as he turned to his disciples come on that's the kind of faith we need to manifest that's the kind of faith that makes for the right relationship both getting saved and serving the Lord God help us to be saved by faith and then to serve by faith God help us too. Let's bow for prayer. We want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com.